first not guilty verdict for a January 6th protester, Matthew Martin, found not guilty on all counts just a little while ago in Washington, D.C. He said he was led into the Capitol by the cops and the judge believed him. Here he is on January 6th. Does he look like he's hurting anybody? Does he look like he's breaking anything? No, it looks like he's just standing there with the camera. And the judge believed him. Judge Trevor McFadden said he found it plausible that Mr. Martin believed the police had let him in and thus had not knowingly gone into the building improperly. He was acquitted on four misdemeanors. He could have gone to jail. So we've been saying this all along and we've actually seen the evidence. You have too. Video evidence of cops just standing there letting people inside. Why is that? Who told them to let them inside? These are the questions we need answered. I am very pleased that Matthew Martin has been found not guilty. We'll be speaking with his lawyer in just a little bit. In the meantime, the invasion of America continues. Right now, with all the stuff that's going on everywhere, the ridiculous scene at the White House, sometimes it's easy to forget. They want us to forget, actually, that people are streaming into this country unfettered, no problem. Uh, here they are, new batch. This is, uh, I believe, the day before yesterday. And things are actually, it seems like, facilitated for them by the federal government. Uh, first, they get the opportunity to change into a new set of clothes. Um, and shortly after this, they might be issued a cell phone. Yes, a cell phone by the federal government. Handing out cell phones. Eh, we want to keep in touch with you. It's true. And the White House confirms it. They say it's about, well, listen to this. Our team in Texas is uh, saying that you guys are starting to give smartphones to border crossers, hoping that they'll use the phones to check in or uh, to be tracked. Uh, which part of that is supposed to deter people from crossing illegally into the states? Well, I, I think you of all people, since you've asked me a range of questions on this topic over time, would recognize that we need to take steps to ensure that we know where individuals are and we can track in, and we can check in with them. The alternatives to detention program is just what we utilize as three unique forms of technology to monitor participants enrolled in the program. Telephonic, this is one of them. Telephonic. All right. Knock yourself out. You can do a lot of things with the smartphone other than check in with the government. Oh, by the way. So after they get their phone, after they get uh, a change of clothes, it's off to the airport and then quite possibly a city near you. I know it's been happening in a city near me, Westchester County, in the middle of the night, these flights full of illegal immigrants just showing up one after the next. And nobody seems to have a problem with it in this Democrat-controlled government. In fact, they like it. And they pretend this is for holistic reasons. We also have to be honest about what's happening at the border. We have people showing up with asylum claims from places like Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, uh, Brazil, people fleeing uh, regimes where they are feeling persecution, coming here to make asylum claims. This guy's very naive. I sense that he's very naive. He can't be that naive. He's not that naive. He's up to something. They all are. The globalists, they want the free labor. And the Democrats like him, they want the votes. They want the body so they can say they vote in a certain way. Governor Greg Abbott has an interesting solution. He just made this announcement today, and I am all for it. Listen. Texas is providing charter buses 
to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C. We are sending them to the United States Capitol, where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. To get that going, I'm going to sign a letter to Chief Nim Kidd with the Texas Division of Emergency Management, who will be in charge of this operation. Making it official, Governor Abbott, great idea. Let's stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I had a theory that Barack Obama was really running things, and uh, (laughs) I guess it's uh, not a joke. Uh, Did you see yesterday? Very much large and in charge. Uh, There he is with uh, Biden in the background, definitely in the background. And it was a new, more relaxed, kind of full of himself, even fuller of himself than he normally is. Something about the post-presidency billions that really agree with this guy. Take a look at this and compare him now to when he was president. There's a there's a certain distinction. He was he was more glued to the teleprompter. He wasn't as relaxed. You see the difference here? Now, what has happened? It's a small stylistic thing, but he basically gives speeches all the time now with no cameras around, and he's experimenting. He's a bit a little bit looser. It was awkward though, right? You saw it. Have you seen it by now? Let's watch. Oh man, he is blowing off Joe. It's so, it's awkward. It's, it's kind of sad. But the power, the soul of that room is not Joe Biden. Everybody can see it. And then you see begging him to come in this direction. Please, I'm the president. Kind of, right? Sort of. And then this. The cool kids are talking and they don't want to have anything to do with Joe. It's uh, it's kind of funny. I've been there, by the way. I've been the odd man out before. I know what it's like. And for it to be happening to the president of the United States, that's pretty absurd. Uh, it's almost impossible for it to happen to the president of the United States. So in my I don't think it actually is. I think Barack Obama has more authority, more clout, more ability to get things done, certainly get favors done than Joe Biden, who was compromised not only here at home, but overseas. So where does that bring us right now? One crime too many. Uh, They're not going to get away with it. They're not. Uh, You heard about Mr. Sussman. You may not know who he is. It's interesting. If he were a Republican, (laughs) Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, Michael Flynn, they became household names when they were in trouble. But you never hear about Michael Sussman. Why is that? Well, he is the one who created, helped create this fiction. Donald Trump is an unwitting agent of Russia's Vladimir Putin. There was collusion between the Trump campaign and, and, and Putin. The possibility of collusion between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. It's explosive new claims about the president-elect's ties to Russia. The new investigation. And the FBI director James Comey confirming for the first time the investigation into the Trump campaign's ties to Russia. All right. So you know about that and you know how it turned out. It was all a great big hoax. And this guy, Sussman, seemed to be a prime mover of the hoax. 
a lawyer working for Perkins Coie, doing a lot of work for the Hillary Clinton campaign. So on company time, campaign time, law firm time, he assembled a bunch of phony stuff that seemed to connect the Trump campaign to Russian computers. Now, it was phony. I'll show you how it was phony in just a moment. Um, and he calls up the FBI. He actually texts the head lawyer at the FBI. Look at the text message. Now, we have this because Michael Durham just uh, made a motion in court. Uh, Jim, uh, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive. I need to discuss. Do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the bureau? Thanks. How about that, huh? Just a guy, just a citizen. I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help? Well, everybody seemed to be paying this guy, Perkins Coie, the Clinton campaign uh, tech executive, and this guy should have known better. James Baker, the general counsel of the FBI, he didn't know this guy was a professional gun for hire. He thought he was investigating Donald Trump on his own time. What, in the basement next to the model trains? No, of course not. They had to know. Anyway, right after the meeting, which happens the next day, uh, he calls in his lawyers. So many lawyers in Washington, right? And they all take notes. And they, it's noted that this guy Sussman said again he was not working for anybody. Two people make note of that, that Baker tells them, I'm working alone. I don't have anybody. This is Sussman. It's just me. Don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Thou protest too much. Is that how it goes? And you got this guy, Jaffe, tech executive, the tech executive. Now, he's a Democrat. He really wants in with the Clinton people. He's talking to Sussman. He's coming up with some crazy stuff that doesn't make sense, that the Trump computers are talking to Russia. And it's outlandish, he says. It's unusual. But his own team tell him this is not outlandish. This is not unusual. It actually looks like we're trying to set up Trump. Now, this was in the uh, Durham filing. Take a look at this email from one of the researchers on this project. A big email to the whole team. Let's for a moment think of the best case scenario where we are able to show somehow that communication exists between Trump and Russia, because it doesn't at this point, right? How do we plan to defend against the criticism that this is not spoofed UDP traffic we are observing. All right. Now, the UDP part, that confuses people. It's very technical, but spoofed. We know what spoof is, right? That this is not phony baloney stuff. The people inside this are scratching their heads. There is no answer to that. And it goes on as follows. Let's assume again that they are not smart enough to refute our best case scenario. You see, these tech guys, huh? You do realize that we will have to expose every trick we have in our bag to even make a very weak association. It goes on to say, we cannot technically make any claims that would fly in the face of public scrutiny. That's something, huh? Uh, the only thing that drives us at this point is that we just do not like Trump. This will not fly in the eyes of public scrutiny. Folks, I am afraid we have tunnel vision. He was actually a little bit too pessimistic. He expected too much from the media. Public scrutiny? If it's anti-Trump, publish. Don't worry about it. We just got to get, we just got to stop Trump. That was the name of the game. No one was checking this stuff. It's kind of fascinating. 
and uh, the fantasy, right? It just took hold. And this kind of rhetoric, it really, to this day, it smeared Trump. Totally unfairly, but there are people who don't follow the news very much who are scared of Trump because of these lies and because of these lies. Now on MSNBC, several new allegations this morning about an investigation into Donald Trump's campaign and ties to Russia. His very uh, explosive charge that there was coordination between Donald Trump and the Russian government. This remarkable detail about Donald Trump and the Russian government. Whether Donald Trump himself is just uh, a puppet for the Kremlin. See, it doesn't really matter what the specifics were. Trump, Russia, puppet, Putin, all that stuff just just lobbed together. And ultimately, it's stuck. For some people, it sticks. And now he's uh, some people just will never see him fairly. And that's that's pretty sad. Here's more proof, actually, of how the system is totally kind of stacked against us. You know about these guys, right? Steve Bannon, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Michael Cohen, my least favorite on the list, by the way. Those other guys are fine. You don't, you know all about them, but Michael Sussman, you never heard of. Michael Sussman is alleged to have done something very, very serious. Bannon, Manafort, Stone, no. They just, they just persecuted them because they were on Team Trump. Sussman, we should all know. We should. That's not the way it works in Washington, huh? And not only do they come after the guys who work for Trump and for Trump himself, but his family. I'll never forget the footage of Donald Trump Jr. being dragged to Capitol Hill. I mean, look at this, huh? He wasn't charged. He did nothing wrong. You know, he was an international businessman decades before his father entered politics, huh? And meanwhile, Hunter Biden is literally sitting pretty in sunny California, but not for much longer, I suspect. When we come back, we will meet the lawyer for Matthew Martin, newly exonerated. All he did was enter the building and the judge said the cops probably let him in. We'll be right back. Checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson. You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can can say say is that the fake news just doesn't get get it, do they? They don't get it. And boy, are they in love with themselves. If you heard about this show, it's called The Circus on Showtime. Uh, I always hear about it, but I never actually watched it. And I still haven't watched it. I only made it through about 15 minutes of an episode. It's bad stuff. Now they try to make it look exciting in the commercial. Democracy itself is careening out of control. A humanitarian crisis and chaos on our border. We could lose everything. The circus is back and better than ever, even though everything has never been more Wow, huh? Ooh, all that music and the mm, the cuts. It's really, it's really not that. This is what a show really looks like. Even they're bored as hell. The people in it. 
The president's focus tonight was on making sure the American people understand um, why it was important uh, for us as a country to stand up for democracy against autocracy, why it mattered to stand up against a dictator. And he will continue to talk about it. You see, even she's falling asleep at one point. That's Jen Paul Mary. She ran communications for Barack Obama. And boy, she's still mad about 2016. Uh, this whole show is crazy. They try to make them look like movie stars, but mm, they're not so much in the way of movie stars. They're just uh, people who, uh, I don't know, read the New York Times and uh, are very reliant on dramatic music to make that show look remotely presentable. Uh, we have this. It's good news, I think, that Elon Musk is, uh, well, he could reverse this situation for Donald Trump, potentially. Elon Musk now owns a big percentage of Twitter. And I think that's great. Take a look uh, at the numbers. Elon Musk has been appointed to a two-year term. He cannot hold more than 14.9% of Twitter stock. I think he's got right around that or 10% or so. And that is terrific. But not everybody at Twitter uh, likes that. Uh, Some of the employees are speaking out. Let's take a look. This is uh, Lara Cohen. She's got a big job there. And she's already calling the new boss an overlord, all right? She's not being nice. Nobody wants this guy to succeed. It's important that he does because he could bring back Donald Trump. He believes in free speech. Actually, here's an indication. Uh, Elon Musk put this up. Now he works at Twitter. Free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter is rigorously adhering to this principle? He took a poll, and obviously most people think that's not happening. So that's impressive. That's a big step in the right direction, at least for Twitter. And we're not there yet. How about uh, YouTube? Let's see here. Ronna McDaniel, head of the Republican Party. I can't say I'm a big fan, but she had a, an interview with Donald Trump, and it's been kicked off of YouTube. You can't find it anywhere. It's not available. This is censorship. This is creepy stuff. What did, uh, what did YouTube say? What was their official reason? Let's go through it. Oh, the video contains claims that the 2020 election was rigged with tremendous voter fraud and countervailing views. This content would be permitted if it included sufficient context with countervailing views. Countervailing views. Um, it's not up to them. These are tech geeks. They should not be telling us what is acceptable and what isn't. That's very, very obvious, in my opinion. It's just like if Thomas Edison said, you can't have the light bulb unless I agree with you politically. Or Alexander Graham Bell, you can't have this conversation unless uh, you're in my party. That's crazy stuff. We would take the phone. We would have taken the phone from Alexander Graham Bell if he imposed those um, restrictions on us. And in a way, we kind of did. And maybe we should again. Huh? All right. I have to tell you about you may have heard about this before. There's a new movie called Rigged. Um, it's available on a certain website. We'll give you the address. There it is. Rigged2020.com. It's fabulous. Uh, here's the uh, trailer. I think uh, I haven't seen it, but the trailer always tells you if it's a good movie or not, and this looks good. I don't think we have to blame China or voting machines. I think we can look straight in the eye of Mark Zuckerberg, and that's why Joe Biden won. That's what this was, a corrupt Democratic voter turnout operation. 
You had them putting their own personnel in to actually run the election in places. You had an entire Democratic Party petrified that Joe Biden was going to be outspent, outboxed by Trump. What do you think, huh? Go to rigged2020.com to view it, and we'll be off and running. Zuckerberg has this coming, by the way. The truth has to be told. I was very suspicious, what was it, last July 4th, when he put up that crazy video of him with the flag, uh, doing that fancy water skiing thing to the music. What was the music again? He's pretending he's George Washington or something like that. And the message was, I saved America. No, you didn't. You may have helped destroy it. I don't think it's going to come to that, but you did not help things, Mark. Not at all. All right. Now, here locally, I have to tell you about our very bad mayor. Think twice before you come to New York. Take a look at this. He was challenged about the mask policy by a concerned citizen who happened to work for New York City, a lawyer. Hi, Mr. Mayor. Three weeks ago, you told parents to trust you, that you would unmask our toddlers. Ten days ago, you stood right here and you said that the the masks would come off on April 4th. That has not happened. You reneged on your promise. And not only did you renege on your promise, you had your lawyers race to court on Friday night to overturn a state court. No, 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 no. no. Let her her finish because you let her start. So my questions are, what is the irreparable harm? to children aged two to four taking off their masks. I made the announcement that we were looking to announce today, which is Monday, to uh, take the mask off to two to four years old. But I also stated, if we see an uptick, we will come back and make the announcement of what we're going to do. So the woman who was asking the questions, turns out she works for the city. Her name is Daniela Jampel. She has a young daughter very concerned about these mass situations. She's already been fired, fired from the city. Now she's going to take legal action, but she is already out of a job. It's interesting. Democrats, huh? They play tough. I mean, remember Alexander Vindman? Now he was still working at the White House when he became a witness for the Democrats during the impeachment trial, right? He kept his job. Very strange. And the mayor himself, Eric Adams, um, long time ago, when he was a little bit chubbier, he was a very bad cop and he did very little policing, but he loved to show up at forums and talk about discrimination and policing and just talk a big game. He was a big critic of the NYPD, but they had rules and restrictions and civil service laws that kept him on the job. It didn't keep him quiet though. My career in law enforcement, my career in this city will continue to be kicking up against the prick of changing those who want to continue to keep us in the state of status quo while the masses are not participating in this important process called electoral politics. Waking them up will start the process on the way. He complained about everything. Electoral process, the police department where he worked, the mayor, the commissioner, all of it racist, horrible people, but he kept his job because, well, there are protections. There's freedom of speech for him, but not for that woman who was just concerned about her daughter. Hmm. That's not right. Stay with us. We're going to go to Capitol Hill where they treated a fox more humanely 
than human beings, actually. We'll be right back. So this should be a feel-good story, right? A story for everybody that we can all appreciate. A little fox, little critter there, kind of cute, went running around Capitol Hill, bit a couple of people. So it was a nuisance, but anyway, Capitol Police, they were all over it. I mean, they were fantastic with care and professionalism. They came with the big net. And uh, they got the guy, they got the little fox and they put him in a cage, but they made sure he had water and, uh, you know, they didn't want to jostle him or anything like that. So they handled it very, very carefully. And again, the, the, the attention to detail they all exhibited. Now, at one point they brought in the, the big guns, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't necessary and they just went with the net. Now, they alerted the public every step of the way, and the Capitol Police, you got to applaud that, right? They, they told the public about everything that was happening as it was happening. Take a look at the tweets. Be on the lookout, I think. Uh, we have received several reports of aggressive fox encounters on or near the grounds of the Capitol. For your safety, please do not approach any foxes. Animal control officers are working to trap and relocate any foxes they find. This is on Twitter. Oh, and when they, when they got the fox... Capitol Police, of course, put it out on Twitter. And, you know, just being the professionals that they are, they made sure that one of their employees, the public information officer, uh, told everything they knew. There have been roughly a half dozen nips or bites. And so just out of abundance of caution, we really wanted people to stay away if they encountered the fox, stay away, call animal control. And that's what happened uh, not too long ago. Wow. I mean, the professionalism and the care, right? We even heard from witnesses. Uh, a member of Congress had a very close call. So something lunged at me from behind. thought it was probably a small dog or something, but really pivoted and, and jumped. I had my umbrella in hand, thinking that I'd have to shoot a dog away. And it's like, that's not a dog, that's a fox. I'd say it's been the most unusual day on, on the Hill in 10 years. Most unusual day on the Hill in, in 10 years. It's a year and a half ago. It's January 6th. Okay. Hey, the, the public information officer still has more information to share. A lot of folks have been asking, is this the one and only fox? We hope it's the one and only fox, but there are other traps in the area. So if there are other foxes, uh, hopefully they will uh, handle that. So in the past 90 seconds or so, the Capitol Police put out more information about this silly Fox incident than they did about Ashley Babbitt in the past year and a half. Ashley Babbitt, a human being, shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer. No tweets, no public information officer coming out to tell us what happened. It's just all hush-hush. And you know what? Their hush-hush campaign actually somehow worked. For a little while, it's not going to work. We're going to see that justice is delivered for Ashley Babbitt. Um, some judge, some prosecutor, somebody is going to, sooner or later, find out what the hell happened here. And why did those cops just walk away? Why did they walk away 90 seconds before she was killed? Hmm? There they go. 
They just walk off. All hell breaks loose, and Bird takes out his gun and shoots an unarmed woman who is not posing a deadly threat. And that's what you need before you open fire, right? Why did he shoot her? When you fired, what could you see? Where were you aiming? You're taught to aim for center mass. Uh, The subject was sideways, and I could not see her full motion of her hands or anything. Um, So I guess her movement, you know, caused the uh, discharge to to fall where it did. And what did you think this individual was doing at at that moment? She was posing a threat. Because she was a threat. Get a real Forrest Gump vibe from that guy. But how about that? More care, more concern, more information about a fox than about a human being, Ashley Babbitt. That is crazy. And that won't stand. Believe me, that's not going to stand. We'll be right back with the lawyer who just won the first I think total victory for a January 6th defendant. Not guilty on all charges. Be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. So you're looking at Matthew Martin. Uh, He's from New Mexico, and he was there on January 6th in the middle of it all. Here's a picture of him inside the Capitol. You see him circled? Hey, notice he's not breaking anything. He's not hurting anybody. And he said he was let in by the cops. And a judge ruled today that the guy didn't, well, he's not guilty. Not guilty in all counts, acquitted. All of this, unlawfully entering restricted buildings, innocent. Impeding government access business, innocent. Disruptive conduct in the Capitol, innocent. Demonstrating in Capitol buildings, innocent. Uh, Judge Trevor N. McFadden made the ruling today. It was a judge trial, two-day trial. I would like to bring in the lawyer. Uh, First, congratulate him, Dan Cron, attorney for Matthew Martin. Uh, Congratulations, uh, great work. How are you, sir? Uh, Thank you. And I'm doing very well. And your client, how is he feeling? Very relieved. Uh, It's been a long odyssey and um, we're happy to have it behind us. So, by the way, before we get into the uh, nitty gritty here, a judge, it wasn't a jury, a judge. Can you explain why it was just a judge and not a jury that um, that ruled here? Well, certainly. Um, We waived a jury. Uh, This was a case where uh, it was uh, not only very fact-oriented, but there were a lot of legal complications uh, and a lot of legal interplay with the facts. And so we felt that uh, someone who was trained in the law would best be able to uh, meld those two uh, factors together And so we decided to uh, try the case in front of Judge McFadden because we thought a sharp legal mind would 
better be able to um, um, not be guided by emotion, but rather be guided by the law and the facts. Well, um, that seems to have happened here. Judge McFadden, I'm reading from a report here. Uh, he said he found it plausible that your client believed that the police had let him in and then had not knowingly gone into the building improperly. And I think that defense uh, can be waged by almost everybody who was there. Now, I want to show you this, and I'm not sure where your client was in relation to this corridor, but this is some footage from January 6th. And you can see police officers just standing on either side. Uh, seeming almost to welcome them. And all, we've also seen the, the selfies that some of the cops were taken. So I, I would imagine this was part of your case. I mean, the cops were letting people in left and right? Well, um, you know, I think that uh, these cases are very uh, fact-specific uh, from person to person. And so in Matt's case, uh, basically what had happened is that uh, when he, uh, first of all, he was on uh, the east side of the Capitol, and uh, the experience that people had on the east side was very different from the experience they had on the west side. Uh, the west side of the Capitol was where the uh, uh, violence occurred, and uh, the, the east side did not have that. And so Matt didn't even know about uh, all of that violence until after after the fact, when he started watching uh, news accounts. Um, he made his way up the, the center steps uh, on the east side, where the doors uh, lead into the rotunda. Um, and he uh, there was uh, a very large crowd there. The crowd uh, started um, moving, and so he just went with the flow of the crowd towards yeah. the door. And by the time he got there, um, one of the things that was fortunate for us is that um, we were able to uh, get the uh, TV, uh, the, the closed-circuit TV footage uh, that showed people entering the door, and then we were able to zoom in. And you and, and you saw him, and you found your client not doing anything. And I forgive me, I have to jump in. The footage that you mentioned, some folks, there's a lot more footage than we have access to. How right. hard was it for you to get that? It seems to me it shouldn't have been hard at, at all. And there's a lot more footage that the public hasn't seen. Why is the government being so, I'd like to say, evasive, so difficult about this? Um, I don't know the answer to that. All I can tell you is that uh, we had to wade through um, and, and try to isolate uh, from 27,000 uh, videos uh, that were made um, uh, in in these massive uh, yeah needle, needle in a haystack needle in a haystack fair enough well yeah it was it, it took yeah. us a long time to isolate the proper cameras Dan uh, to, can I can I ask you this uh, now looking sure. back your client is um, acquitted he's exonerated no longer in trouble are you handling any other January six defendants. No, no. Okay. Uh, so do you think it should have gotten this far? I mean, uh, it, it, it seems to me like a lot of people obviously did not hurt anybody, break anything. We saw cops waving people in. 
I, I, I think I can make the case that it should not have, he should not have been put through all this. He had to turn himself in back in April of last year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're a great lawyer. Uh, you're probably on the expensive side, and that's good. <laughs> so should it ever have gotten this far? I was surprised that Matt was charged. Um, based on uh, his conduct and also if you juxtapose uh, his conduct with what was going on on uh, the west side, uh, I I frankly thought that it would be a better use of resources uh, to uh, concentrate on those cases as opposed to Matt's. Well, Dan Cron, I think you're an excellent attorney and uh, great manner, too. And you obviously made some great decisions here and you did some fantastic work. Dan Cron, C-R-O-N. Look him up if you're ever in trouble. (laughs) Dan, we appreciate it. And do me a favor. Give our best to your client, Matthew Martin. Okay, we'll be right back. So remember the State of the Union? (laughs) Feels like a year ago, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I did find myself staring at Kamala Harris a lot. She was so strange that night for a host of reasons. The whole country, quite frankly, noticed that, well, they noticed she was off. They noticed Nancy was off. Of course, Joe was crazy. My next guest, Amber Athey, the great Amber Athey, Washington editor for The Spectator. She was on fire that night. I was reading and laughing at her tweets. Very insightful. Brilliant, as always. First of all, Amber, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. So let's get right to it. You put out a tweet that I remember seeing and reading, and I thought it was hilarious. Kamala looks like a UPS employee. What can Brown do for you? Nothing good, apparently. And all Brown, of course, it was very drab. Uh, Brilliant insight. Very funny. And, uh, you know, you read it and you move on. You like that sharp. You like it and that's it. And that was it. What happened next? Yeah, I thought that was a throwaway tweet. You know, people liked it, but it certainly didn't go viral or anything like that. But a few days later, I was commenting on the protests that were taking place at the University of North Texas about a speaker who wanted to ban medical transitions for children who believe that they're a different gender than the one that they were born as. So this includes surgical interventions, chemical castration, all of this crazy stuff. I think it's bad. Well, leftist activists will label anybody who's against things like that a bigot, and they wanted to silence me. So they went through my Twitter history and were trying to find something, anything to try to shut me up. And they landed on this tweet about Kamala's outfit, pulled out some screenshots and reframed it as racist, claiming that the what can Brown do for you comment was about her skin color. So naturally, they embarked on this cancellation campaign where they started emailing and calling my employers. And the only one that was stupid enough to cave to the woke mob was the radio station and its parent company, Cumulus Media. The radio station WMAL, you were the co-host of O'Connor and Company. How long had you been there? I was there officially for six months, but I've been a pretty frequent guest host for about three years now. What did they say to you? They brought you in uh, or did they send you a message? How did they put it to you? Why were you fired officially? (laughs) Oh, Greg, they didn't even have the decency to do it face to face. I was on the show that morning, uh, Wednesday morning, like I usually was, and I received a phone call 
um, late in the afternoon from two corporate executives, Jeff Bowden and Kristen Fancellas, and they told me that they had been made aware of this tweet, that they had determined that it was racist, and that I was going to be terminated immediately for violating the company's social media policy. I was not offered the opportunity to defend myself, and the only way that I knew how to make my voice heard in that moment was I asked if I could make a parting comment for the record, which I think was probably like three or four minutes of me just being really angry. And that was it. They said the last communication that I would have with the company was to get my final pay stub. Wow. Uh, talk about and WMAL. I mean, for the most part, they're not crazy. I mean, they have conservatives like you and others. What happened? What happened with the management? Did anybody say to you like, hey, uh, we don't know what's going on here. This is crazy. We're working on this. Uh, I, what kind of word are you getting from, you know, look, they're not they're not bad people, I thought. Yeah, my friends at WMEL have been actually incredibly supportive. Um, my former co-host, Larry O'Connor, was just on the program before this, and he's been speaking out on my behalf. It's actually been incredible to see. I think pretty much every host at this point has commented on the situation on their shows on the radio station. The real problem here is these corporate executives. And this is a problem across conservative media. If you're owned by one of these big conglomerates, then you're not able to protect your talent. And if the standard for being fired is some left-wing crazy person calls you a racist, there would never be a Rush Limbaugh. There would never be a Mark Levin or a Ben Shapiro or any of these super popular radio hosts who are so important in getting conservative values out to these local listeners. Well, Amber, this is a stumble. They revealed so much about themselves. We know you. I, it was a funny joke. And by the way, some prominent people are stepping up. Uh, Jason Miller on Twitter. What? Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, Benny Johnson here at Newsmax. I stand with Amber Athey, talk radio host for UPS joke about Kamala's Brown State of the Union suit. John Cardillo, one of the sharpest guys around. Amber Athey was fired for using an iconic UPS slogan to make a joke about Kamala's outfit. I know you've already written a very compelling story about this for The Spectator. Um, look, I don't think this is going to set you back. Is Quite frankly, I think this could set you up for even bigger things to come. Final word, uh, Amber. Uh, do you see what I, you've heard about that happening before? You think that's a possibility here? Yeah, honestly, I think they've done me a huge favor. And let me just shut out the spectator here, because when they got the same emails that Cumulus got, they laughed and deleted them. And that's how every company should react to these ridiculous smear campaigns. I love it. I love it. I love it. Amber Athey, you're amazing. And uh, because, quite frankly, if you're in trouble for that tweet, oh, boy, <laughs> we're all in trouble. <laughs> Amber Athey, check her out at The Spectator. Check her out online. And uh, who knows what else is going to happen, but it's going to be big. Amber Athey, thank you. Thank you, Greg. All right. Be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Hey, thank you so much. Stinchfield is next, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.